Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. Hello and welcome to our weekly look at the world of motoring. I'm Ali Bally. And I'm Lorraine Ballingall. On this edition, we ask, are video games gearing teens up for dangerous driving? Would you buy a car without ever having seen it? knowing when you're going to get it, or even how much it's going to cost. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have that one, but I have no idea what it's going to cost. OK. We also look at the price of potholes. And I took that highway code quiz we spoke about a couple of editions ago. But first, we've been road testing the Jaguar XE Landmark Special Edition. Now, to get the opportunity to build and design a new car from scratch, I would imagine would be very exciting prospect. Just think, Ian Callum, the chief designer at Jaguar's reaction to being asked by the board at JLR to start with a blank piece of paper and go and design a car that would take on the Germans. Give us a car that will take sales away from the Audi A4, the BMW 3 Series, the Merck C-Class and others. I would imagine the boardroom, I would imagine that would be how the conversation would go. Could be totally wrong, but that might be how it go. Ian and his team took on that challenge with gusto and came up with the Jaguar XE. Now, that was some four years ago, and the updated Jag XE is on the way. But while we wait on the new one, Jaguar sent us the XE Landmark Special Edition. And very nice it is too. This is based on the R Sport model and it really did look the part and it came in U-long white. Which I have to say, never seemed to get dirty. No. It stayed bright white all the time. I loved the sporty front bumper, the side skirts and the rear spoiler. Those alone gave the car a real presence on the road. Plus add to that the 18-inch alloys and wow, it looked good. Underneath the white paint job is a modular aluminium body shell. It's 75% aluminium, which keeps, of course, the weight down and, of course, returns better emissions, performance and economy. And with you, Lorraine, the car looked absolutely great. Now, the Landmark Edition comes with loads of extras, as you would imagine, including... Gloss black front grille, which sets it off. The the gloss black uh, side vents, a great Meriden sound system, leather sports seats, and yes, we even got twin cup holders. <laughs> hey, they were never in the car together. No, but never but mind. There we go. <laughs> we were driving the two hundred and forty horsepower two liter diesel with an eight speed auto gearbox. Now the standard XE is rear wheel drive, but the one they sent us was all wheel drive. Now I'm sure. The Jag press office thought, ah, Ali and Lorraine, Scotland in March, it will be snowing. But alas, it was not to be, so we didn't really get a chance to put it through its paces. Now, as Lorraine mentioned, the XE has an aluminium body which aids the 240 horsepower with a 2-litre engine, creating a very quick car, not to 60 in 6.1 seconds, with a top speed of 155 miles per hour. The interior has that real special feel that, of course, a Jaguar should. It's got lots of leg room, no heads bumping off the roof and all the instruments within touching distance when driving. Men often look to see if they can get a couple of sets of golf clubs in the boot. Me, it's can I get my weekly shop in the boot with ease? And yes was the answer. Now, the drive of the car mm. I found very comfortable. I used it on a couple of long journeys. Yeah. And I just thought, we, we of course, benefited from uh, not long ago, we parted 
with the XF that sadly. we'd had. Yes, sadly. <laughs> After four years, it was a big sad one. It was a great decision. And had um, the dealership taken me up on my offer to buy another one <laughs> when I went in, I would probably ended up with another XF, yeah. but didn't. So we've come, I wouldn't say down a bit. It is slightly down on the XE, but it was a great executive car. It was a drive. beautiful car and it will actually take on what it's supposed to do, it'll take on the... I just thought Audi A4 with bells on, actually. That's what I thought about the XE. Right. I, I, I thought with that one, you know, it's, it's got, as you say, got everything on it. Um, the new one, the updated version, mm-hmm. um, I believe has already been uh, test-driven by some of our colleagues. And the reports I've read is that, yes, this is what it should have been initially anyway. It's right. got more to it. It's, okay. So it's even better, better to come. Yes. Price-wise. Price, <laughs> yes. Price-wise. Price that one, of course, it was all-wheel drive, so it is a bit more expensive. It was around about £44,000. But any Audi or BMW of, of a class like that will cost you that anyway. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and you have the Jaguar badge. Indeed. Thumbs up? Definitely. Absolutely. This is Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. Are video games gearing teens up for dangerous driving? Interesting concept. There's a question, isn't it? Well, we're going to find out about that in a moment. But first of all, we'll introduce Sue Waterfield, who's Head of Marketing at Young Driver. Sue, welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. What exactly is Young Driver? Tell us about that, first of all. Well, thanks, Ali. Thanks for having me on. Um... Yeah, Young Drivers Initiative that was started about 10 years ago, um, really to teach youngsters the, uh, the skill of driving before they hit 17. So um, we teach them on private property uh, using coned out areas to um, mimic a, a road system. And they can start as early as 10, providing they're the right height. Um, and we generally take them through a series of uh, skills we call them below the dashboard skills, which is you know actually how to drive the car, um, and they can go through certain levels. And as they get nearer 17, they typically have more lessons to prepare them for getting on the road. So when they do get on the road, they they know how to drive the car. They can then focus on hazard perception and interacting with other road users, which makes their on on road lessons more effective. We feel. So that's essentially it. We've got 60 sites throughout the UK um, and it, it's it's open to anyone who wants to um, come and have a lesson. I'd imagine it's uh, pretty popular, Sue. Yeah, very popular. Yeah, we've done over 600,000 lessons since we started wow. in 2009. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've we've got quite, a, quite an alumni now, which is excellent. Is it a mixture of boys and girls? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. I My think... daughter's done it. So I was going to say, you know, when I was at school, which wasn't yesterday before you say no. anything, Lorraine. And it's, um, that would have been great, you know, because yes. I, I wanted and I was driving around farm roads and various other places when I was 13, 14. But to be actually given the chance to do it properly. Fantastic, yeah, isn't it? And, and surely uh, it's, it's, it's something that gets them into the right mindset, Sue, surely? Absolutely, yeah. We've we've done some research um, with Nicola Morden, who's uh, an international speaker, and she specialises in adolescent brain development and well-being of teenagers. Um, <clears throat> so her her uh, research has indicated that youngsters are very much more open to 
messages. Um, and so obviously, if we want to get across safety messages and the importance of being a safe driver, it's better to do that early while they're still their brains are still developing. because They're like sponges, aren't they, at that age? They just soak everything up. Um, so that that was that was part of it, and we we know from our own just just chatting to um, the youngsters that come along, you know, it gives them confidence as well. And this is really a life skill we're talking about, isn't it? So um, it's it's very very much enables them to feel more confident just about how they can handle themselves generally because they're doing something that they wouldn't normally be able to do with one of our specialist instructors. You're right there, Sue. The brains are like sponges, but on the reverse side of that, um, the brains aren't properly developed. So the risk-taking behaviour can be a bit of a problem as well, can't it? It can be, yes, of course. And they're obviously stimulated and um, uh, being absorbing things, aren't they, from TV and video games and things like that, uh, as, as children are. So we're not saying that that's not, that's not something we don't want them to do. We do, of course, my, my own children enjoy those games. What we're saying is that if we take them onto the to, to get those skills slightly earlier, um, rather than waiting until they're 17, that those safety messages are absorbed rather than thinking that fast driving is cool and you know the other things that have come out of our bit of research. We don't want the parents being put off having their children to learn to drive at 17. Um, we just want them to bring them a little earlier so that we can get those safety messages across. So the, the young developing brain so that it, it takes, it sort of gets implanted earlier rather than thinking that as soon as you're 17, you're out on the road and able to do what you, you've seen uh, on TV or, or on games. Mm. Uh, you asked in the survey, around about a thousand drivers, what impact they felt computer games, films and TV programmes have on teens. So what was, what was the general thought of drivers then, uh, you know, who are... On that, who've passed their test and who um, are probably that bit older. Yeah, well, I mean, there was there was a definite um, leaning towards um, that, that motoring on screens and, and what they see contributes to thinking that driving was much easier than it really is. Fifty eight percent, I think, was was the was the figure, um, and we see that we see that backed up with um, lots of the the people that come through young driver we we talked to them anecdotally as well as doing this research so that was that was quite interesting because that you know the parents who um obviously enjoy their children enjoying these games mm -hmm. it was it was quite interesting to ask them about how they felt that um interpreted itself into their 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 thoughts on whether they should put them through driving lessons or not and we don't want we don't want parents stopping their children learning to drive do we because they feel nervous about it no, absolutely. I think a lot of young people, uh, when they, they look forward to from maybe 15 to... Mm, I couldn't I, wait. Yeah, I would say, 17, yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, our daughters were the same. Mm -hmm. They wanted to, to, to get behind the wheel. Um, and it's uh, exciting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the parents themselves then, um, did they feel that, you know, if you were sitting your uh, 10 or 12-year-old, 13-year-old down, if they were sitting themselves and taking part in their, their games, they were actually getting this out of their system before they got on the road? Well, yes, I mean, that was um, that was something that, that came out of it, which was um, quite interesting. Um, it's saying that, you know, video games made bad driving look cool and, and films had the same effect. Um and, and 
certain people thought that uh, driving was negatively influenced by films such as The Fast and the Furious, which is, you know, a great film, but it is all about speed, of course. Um, so, yes. Right. And if, um, when you come back to, to young drivers and the course that you put them through, is there any research, and I'm sure you've, you've carried it out, um, is there anything that tells you that if the, um, the percentage of people who've taken part in this course pass their test first time more than others? Uh, we haven't specifically carried out that research about passing the test. Um, from that point of view, it's, it's more about the, uh, below the dashboard so that they can make more use of their on-road lessons when they turn 17 to necessarily speed up the process. Um, we want to make sure that they're they're more ready for it mm. when they when they go on the road, so that the the their, their driving instructor can then focus on the the very important sort of hazard perception and how you engage with other road users, those sort of things. Because as as we know, it's um it's 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 quite often it's not your own driving that can be uh, the the issue, is it? It's it's how other how you interact with other road users. Um, you have to look ahead and be aware of everything that's going on around you and the environment. So we want them to be able to focus on that with their driving instructor rather than how to do the actual changing of the gears and the clutch yeah. control because we can teach them that in advance. I think you summed it up there when you said that they're going to be more prepared and I think that's that's the great it's thing, a about, thing. This yeah. great thing about this scheme, absolutely fabulous. If, um, if someone wants more information on this, how should they do that then? They can go to youngdriver.com. All the information is there on how to book lessons. Um, we also introduced lessons for five to ten-year-olds in a, um, a what we're calling a Firefly, which isn't a, a proper car, obviously, but it does give them the idea of steering and moving forward um, as if they were driving, uh, again, around <laughs> a little road route. So my eight-year-old's done that. That's, um, that's very good fun. Um, so that starts them off sort of even before we get them into proper driving. But for, for younger siblings, it's great. So that's all on the website. Um, so, yes, everybody can go and have a yeah, look. I'll and... take part. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Well, Sue, yeah. thank you very much indeed for telling, telling us about the scheme and um, looking at video games gearing teens up for dangerous driving. Sue Waterfield is Head of Marketing at Young Driver and that uh, website address again is Young Driver. It's all the W's dot youngdriver.com. This is Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. Now, most people, when they're looking to buy a brand new car, will have a look around, see what's available, go into a dealership, you would think, um, check out the prices, Ali, maybe yep. you negotiate a wee deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not for this gentleman. Mr. Neil Street had decided he wanted a Peugeot E208, despite the fact he didn't know how much it's going to cost him. He doesn't know when he's going to get it and he's never actually seen it in the flesh, so to speak. He was so impressed by the photographs coming out of Geneva. He went down to his local dealership straight away and says, I'll have one of these, please. Right. I actually did that once with a company car. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, why does that not surprise me? The Audi A5. Uh-huh. Remember that one? Yeah. I, had, I had a white one and I got asked what I wanted and our fleet department said, <laughs> you can't have one of these. I said, why not? I said, well, you can't have a white one. White, white cars are not in and they're difficult to resell. And I said, at the motor show, every car and every stand was white. And I like the Audi A5. If I'm paying the tax on it and that's what I can allow, um, I can buy, that's what I want. And I eventually got it. 
And, uh, you know, it was oh, a beautiful car, what a great car. So, yeah, you can just see the photographs and go slightly different from, uh, from your this, gentleman. From the Peugeot, yeah, yeah, but actually when you bought the XF, you did that as well. The guy said to you, do you want to take it out for a test drive? Went, no, no, no need. <laughs> well, I'd driven it. <laughs> so he, so he you're not too different from no, Mr. Neil Street. It did really, look a bit you? strange of me when I said, no, I don't want to drive it. I've driven one before. Um, anyway, yeah. Neil yeah, was so right. impressed by this uh, Peugeot, the electric Peugeot, that he decided that he was going to have one because he reckons from past experience the price will be completely competitive anyway and he looks like it's going to be great he says so good for him sounds as if he's a Peugeot um, convert anyway yes yeah. yes. and he wants to drive but it does electric. look a good car I have to say I've had a look at it as well so it looks great now the bill to the UK motorists for repairing pothole damage has skyrocketed to a total of more than £1 billion that's according to research published by QuickFit now they've said that with more than 11 million drivers damaging their vehicles due to poor road conditions over the last year, the cost has reached a staggering 1.21 billion pounds. That's an increase of 32% compared to the year before. The average cost to the individual motorist of repairing damage to components such as tires, suspension and wheels has actually reduced slightly, from £111 to £108.86. However, the number of motorists being affected has jumped by 2.9 million since last year and the total cost is likely to rise even further as 1.4 million drivers say they have yet to have their vehicle repaired. Anyway, a couple of editions ago, we looked at the Highway Code, the Roadworthy Quiz. We spoke about it. We did ask the we last did, time you looked I at said, it. And I said, well, that was over 40 years ago. <laughs> I said I would do the quiz, which I now have done. Okay. And I have some questions for you. All right. Okay. You're on a motorway and you see flames coming out from under the bonnet of your car. What do you do? A, drive faster to blow out the flames. <laughs> B, pull over, pop the bonnet to let the wind blow out the flames. Or C, Pull over, leave the car and call the emergency services. I'll go for C. <laughs> there were some quite funny ones like that. I passed the test. I only got one wrong, but mostly because, you know, I guessed like that one. True or false? Is it illegal to drive with an empty screen wash bottle? Is it illegal? To drive with an empty screen wash bottle. I would think it probably is. Yes, it is. Correct. Yeah. And finally, is it legal to drive without an MOT? Yes. Oh, to, legal to drive yes. without an MOT, sorry. Uh, no. Yes, it is. If you're on your way to get the MOT, if it's already booked, or you're on your way to get a repair for that MOT. Otherwise, you're fined £1,000 and points on your licence. Right, so you can come up with the excuse if you haven't got an MOT. I'm just actually on the way to the garage. It might be three o'clock in the morning, but I'm going there for an opening at eight. Evidence is required. I see, right. Okay. The minimum tyre, we knew about that, 1.6 millimetres, but it equates to a strand of spaghetti. And I also found out that I break the law all the time because it is illegal to use a mobile phone while stopped in a supermarket car park with the engine on. There you go. That's illegal, is it's it? It's illegal, yeah. So you're sitting in the supermarket, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to use your phone while the engine is nope. running to keep you warm. Nope. you can be fined for that. There you go. You do that all the time. <laughs> I do, I you do. do. I do. Right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we shall be careful now while you're sitting Switch in. Switch the engine yes, off. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Lorraine, for this week. This has been Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels. There'll be more on the podcast next week. Bye-bye. Ali Bally's Weekly Wheels podcast. Like, share and subscribe.